So last time I spoke to Martin and it, it was supposed to be a super short conversation and it went on for a long time. Well, Bruce, then I thought, why don't we expand this and do more of this and talk to people about Bristol in the 80s and 90s? And then I thought, out of all the people that were there, who is one of the main protagonists in that story? And we all have, you know, we were all there. We all experienced the same thing, but we all have very unique positions uh, and unique stories. And I thought, I know who I need to speak to. I need to speak to the legend that is Mr. Ian Wilkie. Wilkmeister General, as I'm now called. Wilkmeister General, and here he is. <laughs> here he is. Mr. Wilkie, how are you? Are we are we are we, are we recording now, Leon? We're recording, mate. Excellent. Straight in. Because otherwise we talk for the first ten minutes and then well the good bit's done. So I'm No, I actually I, I, I actually did a screen I saw a screen prompts come up saying LA's recording. So dude, I'm I'm more than happy to uh to do this, mate. Good. And it's just you know? the audio. I'm not recording the video. Well, I think it automatically records a video. And then I keep that and stick it in a vault. And then if I ever need to blackmail anyone later on, I can use it for that. But obviously, for the purpose of this, I'm only... You'll have, no, you, you'll have no luck that, with that with me, because I've got plenty on you. Yeah, yeah, you have. You have. You have. <laughs> so don't worry. So don't worry about that, brother. Absolutely. Uh, if anyone's listening who doesn't know who Mr. Wilkie is, in the unlikely event that, for me personally, I would say that, there are a couple of DJs who came out of that scene when Rave hit in Bristol um, who were truly great. And and I am not amongst those two people, but I know the man who is, and that man is Mr. Ian Wilkie. And I, I always felt that although musically we operated in different worlds for a while, although we came together later on and more of that later. We did. Um, we did, man. You were always so technically proficient and so good at working the crowd, working the records, you know, putting in acapellas and all your time in record shops gave you access. You knew exactly what to play, when, how to do it and how to work a crowd. And these are all the things I'd love to discuss, as well as your history, where you came from, where you went, all the different things that we did together, all the different things we did apart all the different events you played, that kind of thing. Well, um, you know, I, I feel as though that this this could be a, you know, a two-part series. You know, we'll, obviously tonight we'll talk about what happened in Bristol, you know, but there's another chapter. There's other chapters. There is another chapter, to, definitely. To, to, to my life and, and um, yeah. you know, and it was amazing, man. It was amazing, you know. From eighty nine right through to two thousand and three, you know, it was it, it was the music, you know, it was it was it was it was something special was happening, and and we all felt that Leon, you know, I obviously met you um, probably nineteen ninety one when you know one love started, you know, and it was yourself, James. You know, uh, and and so Ray, um, and you, and you guys did the one love, and and I, I helped put up the decorations, and I was interested. I loved the music, you know, I loved the scene, you know, and it was also new 
you know, you're an 18 year old person <laughs> and suddenly, wow. That's so is that how old you were then in, uh, at that time, then 18? So 17, just, 18. On, just on the cusp, weren't you? Of, 17, 18 when I started. Yeah, on. a whole new world. Amazing. Mm. Amazing. And those rummer days is definitely where I met you first. And yeah, that's right. You came in, you weren't even DJing in those days. No, I was. Oh, were you? Yeah, yeah, I was. Was I, that I, the time um, of the Thornbury wine bar? Well, um, in, I think, 91 was w- w- when I had enough money to buy turntables. And um, James Savage, <laughs> uh, he wanted to go to Ibiza and he just bought some techniques. He said, oh, you can buy these for 400 quid. So um, I, I, I worked in a plastics factory sweeping floors for summer and it got to August. Sav wanted to fuck off to... to uh, <laughs> you, you'll have to bleep out a lot, Leon. It's That's all right. Well, we're on SoundCloud, so you know you can be as free with your language as you, as you like. Oh, I can be, be myself. Yeah, 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 hundred percent. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's what I'm talking to you for. Yeah, definitely. Sound. Yeah. Well, then, you know, and and Sav Sav wanted four hundred quid to get get a flight to Ibiza. Do you want to buy these turntables? I went, yeah, I'll buy the turntables. And then I got a new Mark mixer, and I had records, and I just wanted to play. You know, so I swept a whole. I spent a whole year sweeping floors. Well, summer sweeping floors to to earn the money to get the techniques, the new mark mixer, and that was me. I was I was I was hooked at that point, you know, because the acid house and the rave scene was starting. You know, there was, you know, it it was it was starting. You know, and it, it you start to feel the vibe, you know, and you got fully engaged in the vibe because it was different. You know, everyone else was drinking and you know fighting and stuff like that. We didn't want that, you know. We wanted the, the love, you know, and and uh, yeah, that's that's how it started for me was to get those, you know, my passion for the music and and finding records, which has completely changed now, but finding the tunes and having that special feeling, man, and and that's what it was all about. It was about unity, you know, and and you would go to parties and you would, you feel something magical. There's no other way to describe it. Mm. It was magical. And it wasn't just me. Thousands of people were fucking feeling that. You could see that in their eyes. You could see that in the way they smiled. But when you combine that... Times, and I remember you, you comp- saying once that you felt it was the sort of family that you'd always wanted. It's very true. It's very true. It, it, it did have that atmosphere. It did have that feeling. And, and you and I, Leon... You know, we've been friends for 30 years, man, 35 maybe, mm-hmm. you know, and, and our paths have crossed and our paths have gone away. But we've always, you know, we've all, you, you, I mean, you, you started off doing the one love thing and James took that over and, and took that somewhere else, took that much bigger, you know. Um, thinking back, Leon, it, it was an interesting time. I mean, there was, you know, the innovation that was happening with the music and, People, you know, you've got a, you know, archive sampler, and you can sample things. And, you know, one of, one of my um, great friends, Mike Shaw, you know, he's got a world of knowledge about music and he, he, t- he taught me a lot, you know, he taught me a lot 
about 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 stuff and and tunes and you know that sort of thing and it was it was an interesting time man it was an interesting time they you know they were they were fantastic times and we and like i said i think james had the vision at the start because i'd come in from a completely different angle well the, th- the, th- the thing was with uh with with you and Saul compared to James, James had been out there and seen the big parties. You guys hadn't, you yeah. know. And and um, you know, at that time we're all probably, you know, twenty, twenty three, twenty four, or something like that. Leon, you know, and, uh, yeah, twenty six, maybe I was. Yeah, yeah, I you know, and um, and it was that, you know, and 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 James created something, man. You know, he created yeah, the, yeah. the one love brands, you know, and yeah. and yeah. It, you know. And it was all kind of taken from the Stone Roses, One Love. That's where One Love came from, wasn't it? No, actually, it wasn't at all. Because really? One Love, before One Love was One Love Foundation, One Love it Foundation, one we love were a musical group. And that's what Son and I were. We approached, we were approaching it because we were trying to get recognition for the music we were writing. Mm. And at the time, sort of 89, around, definitely around the Mass Attack thing and a bit before... People weren't in bands, they were in collectives. So you were yes. writing music or you were putting on art galleries or you were putting on parties or that kind of thing. And so we expanded into that. And some of us sort of met James, because neither of us were promoters. No. Really, we were just looking for it for as a platform to escalate the brand of the of the of the act. Um and then the parties took off, and then suddenly obviously the whole dimensions changed and everything yeah. kind of changed and it became about the parties really quickly um and that isn't really what Solnard got into it for and it's clearly exactly what James got into it for and so he did it really well uh, and then Solnard went off and did some other bits from in the end in the end I, I didn't reluctantly become a promoter but I realized at some point that that was you know what I should be doing. No, but, I mean, it, to, you know. it was you know w- with you. You went off did your degree, you know, because he used to see yeah. you now get on oh, doing my degree. All right, Leon, no problem. You did your degree, done that because you wanted to get that challenge, and then yeah, you became, then you then got the job and yeah, and you spoke to Bentley and Marty, and, and you got yeah. the the job and you started temptation, yeah. you know, yeah. and then what's progressed on to Hope Recordings, yeah. you know. Um, yeah, round round your house, yeah, in, in the in the dining room, yeah. Uh, what should we do? Well, yeah, of course I want to get involved. Well, tell me what. Stupidness. Steve's going. Oh, I need some hand on the help on the business. I said I'm not interested in that. I just want to play records, <laughs> <laughs> and that yeah. was it. Yeah. You know, and uh, and. Yeah, but I mean, there was a whole progression there, you know, from, you know, w- what happened sort of 1991 with the rave scene, the free parties, you know, and uh, what was happening in Bristol, you know, w- w- was cool, mate. It was Manchester, Bristol, because of Massive Attack and Oakenfold remix and that, people were put on the map. And Bristol was known as a music centre, like Manchester, like London, you know, where Glasgow, where there was innovation happening, you know, Glasgow, Soma Records, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. brilliant, yeah. you know, yeah. what they were doing up there and the parties they were putting on, unbelievable, you know, and it was the same what, what to, to a degree, what was happening in 
Bristol. You know, there was, there was yeah. stuff, there was innovation happening, and it was it was different because you you had the, the all the drum and bass scene, which Bristol was known for, with its roots of reggae and all that that business. Um, and obviously was the Moon Club, and then the culture happened. <laughs> My God, what a godsend that was! That we actually had a club to go to. <laughs> You know, yeah. where something was happening, you know, yeah, and people around the UK start to recognize that, and people wanted to play at Lakota, you know, when, yeah. when, when actually, you know, it was a great club, man, yeah. you know, it was a great vibe going on there, yeah, um, it was fantastic. Um, and it's it's interesting to reflect back on it. You know, to you know, as you obviously we're all a bit older and stuff like that. But when I was getting into it, you know, we were looking back and thinking, "Wow, I wonder what it'd be like to be in the '60s when mm. Woodstock was going on mm. and when everyone's taking acid and it's free love and uh, wow and boom." And, and we moved into a generation where we were the rave generation. We are rave children, effectively, and. It was crazy because it first started rave and it was it was lovely and then it started to get very heavy at raves you know it it was heavy and it was whoa I'm not sure if I like this anymore <laughs> I need to move somewhere else where you know I get that vibe again but you know um, well that happened was that and then the the um, what's it called the criminal justice bill came in and it drove everything into clubs didn't it basically. They started bringing that in '92. Yeah, it, and that then that made it quite pleasant again. At, at that point, it gone too far, you know, because yeah. you had Letch laid, you know, the, you had the Avon Free Festival up in the Malverns with 200,000 people there. The police have lost control. They don't Did know we go to on. Castle Morton together? Because that's my recollection, but I can't remember whether it was. Castle I didn't go to Castle Morton with you. I did go to Castle right. Morton. You did? I did, we but did. not with you. Did. you. Yeah, yeah. I went to I, I, I went to all these. You know, we used to take records. You know, me and Sanjay. You know, yeah. he was my partner in crime. You know, he, he was far more experienced than I, so I always looked to to him for uh, DJ stuff and things like that. And and for him, it was we got to go and play. We got to go and play. So we we literally um, take records, and if we got to a free party and we could get a slot, we would play. And yeah. we tear it up, you know, yeah, and you that, that, sure. that was that was it, you know, and, and that built up the confidence of, you know, we just literally turn up, yes, you've got a slot, boom, you play. And um, that's... So I'm sure at do. some point I was, you know, in a car driving around the West Country in the, in the middle of the night or something, I was driving, I wasn't driving. Um, I might have been driving. You, because you were playing there. You know, and we go and find out at what point, you know, has Ian played yet or, um, you know, and, and, and I think you were the driving force locally for a lot of people to come out, and, you know. Oh, big time. Go. I mean, yeah, I, mean I, I, yeah. I, I, I was up for it. We, we wanted to do things, you know. We want, you know, it was, it, we needed to do that. Hmm. It was, it was madness. But it was such a nice vibe, you, you know. That's that's I think the thing that you can never recreate because it's already happened, and it's it's a sort of situation that you, you had to be there, you know. And and it was that man, 
It was that. To walk into a, to, to a party and you've got thousands of smiley faces, unbelievable. Mm. Unbelievable. And what then were the records you... of that time that you, were, that you remember? Those early days that really did it for you? Oh, uh, I mean, initially I was into hardcore, you know, like rave stuff. So, you know, the 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 big the big rave rave tunes, and I always remember um, MC Willie Wee, <laughs> Claude, you know, and did the Midnight Mad- Madness Nights. And when I was working the record job, he used to come in. And you um, go, oh, you're a rave DJ. <laughs> yes, I am a rave DJ. <laughs> and then it, it, it's a progression with music, you know, and, and the rave thing was, it, it was unbelievable. You know, uh, it, it really was. I mean, you listen to some of the records now, and you think, fucking hell, the production, but the vibe in those tunes. Mm. Wow. Hello. Because mm. it was new. You yeah, know? Exactly. You know, we'd gone through the 80s where within the 80s, you, you, you had the Depeche Mode and experimenting with all these synthesizers. And then a sampler was invented. And some very clever people <laughs> started to understand how the sampler works. And suddenly we could take that little bit, we can pop it in there, we can put this rhythm underneath it, and we have a tune. And it was that, and it was... It was all those little things, and that's what I learned from Mike because Mike was so Mike Shaw was so knowledgeable. You know, he'd done Bad FM. He he'd been doing it for ten, yeah, fifteen yeah. years yeah. prior to me meeting Mike. You know, yeah. And um, always used to go down. Time was right, and uh, there was there was there was one one Friday. I failed my A levels. The old man gives it. Don't dare go to the record shop. So obviously, I went to the record shop. <laughs> Parked on the double yellows, car got towed away. I came out with a bag of records, no car, and I'm thinking, oh shit, <laughs> in trouble now. <laughs> I'm in trouble. But um, that's what I used to do, is, and it yeah. was just kind of like because I loved it so much, I would take that risk, you know. Yeah. And the, the risk was, I was down in, in the basement under under Kusti, where Timer's Right used to be. Yeah. And uh, we listened to that, and you know, we've got the dominator for example on and and we're listening to tunes we're playing tunes and yeah it was it was just wonderful mm. it was wow what is this yeah. this is great yeah. you know um but for me it was like you know understanding pink floyd and zeppelin and stuff like that and those tunes brilliant and then suddenly yeah. there's electronic stuff and wow this is great you know, you've got the Happy Mondays and the Stone Roses and all that 89, 90. There were yeah. some great albums released. And then it progressed into into the what was happening in, in what is now the dance scene, you know? Yeah. And it was an acid house scene. And now it's called the dance scene. But but um yeah, it was it was uh well, it's just a massive beast. It was magical. That's the only way. Yeah. I can and it. I think part of what made it magical is the fact that you really, really, really had to hunt for records. You finding the music. Dude, honest, I was honest, so speaking honestly, to Nick Warren the other I day because his record collection's in our office. He's just sorting through it. 
and he's got a load of stuff. And he was like, oh, I can't remember why I bought this. I can't remember why I bought this. And then he had this thought that, you know, you were at the counter, you know, you had to get some tunes. You had a gig. The person behind the counter is playing you stuff. You're thinking it's so competitive. Yeah, but I, I remember Nick coming. He used to come in the shop weekly, and um, you know, you've got oh, I've got to do warm up for Massive Attack. What ambient stuff have you got? So pull out a lot of stuff, and you go, I'll just have it. <laughs> so I need yeah. some tunes, you know, and, and I need some tunes. It's new, and nobody's heard it. And exactly. I think that, that's that's what it was at that time. I mean, with the invention of the internet, which killed the music industry effectively from downloading. But uh, prior to that. It was about finding tunes. I mean, I, I I've spent, you know, hundreds of hours in Soundsville going through stuff, and I would find the B side of something that, that I knew nobody had. No one else had. Yeah. So thank you very much. How much is that? Two quid. Fucking bonus. <laughs> Boom in the fucking record bag. Do you know what? Do you know who's getting it? On Friday, the fucking Lakota crowd are getting out. <laughs> and you drop the tune. And because it was, you know, driven by uh, the essential selection and Pete Tong and everybody's listening to that and uh, and they're listening to that. But if you if you had had the tunes and you dropped that tune and people didn't have it, where the fuck can I get that record? You go find it. I've got it. You ain't. <laughs> One box in the country. Better start looking. <laughs> yeah, exactly that, Leon. And and that that was part of 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 the enjoyment. You know, was was finding the records. Yeah. You know, speaking to Manchester record shops, speaking to Brighton record shops, speaking to London record shops, and obviously, I was in a great position being at Time Is Right, and working there, and and um, we obviously had the London shop, so. They would get loads of guys coming around with all these white label stuff, and they phone us up and go, "Oh, we we had another because they like garage down there. They like garage. Dave was involved with CJ McIntosh Ministry yeah, yeah. and all that sort of business, and and Dave Browning, great guy, boss, but um, but he was involved in that, so he liked the you know Elias follow me and all the strictly stuff, yeah. and you yeah, know, yeah. and all the all, all the garage, and they were very much involved in that, but. In Bristol, it was much more progressive. And, you know, being in London and being a big record shop in Chapel Market, Islington, you know, there was loads of people coming around with white labels. We got this, we got this, we got this. So every time they, they had someone come in, they phone us up and they speak to me or Mike and we go, yeah, we'll have 50 of them. And they're going, well, this is shit. We don't like this in London. We don't like this in London. Because it was. Every city had its own sound, though, didn't it? You know, and it was, it was, it was, it was very much that way. You know, there, there was a different sound in London, there was a different sound in Bristol, different sound in Manchester, different sound in Glasgow, different sound in Liverpool. You know, and it was that. You know, and there, there was different vibes around the country, but you know, you would amalgamate together, and yeah. you party, and you would appreciate the music. You know, and um, that that's uh, you when it all started to go digital and you could just type in Kim Mazel, was that all it was? Dave Morales remix. Oh, have an MP3 for free. Well, it took me a fucking year to find that record. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you know, it took me a year to find that record. 
And um, yeah, now you can just type in a f- whatever yeah. you want and get it. Yeah, I think that 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 bit of that whole thing. Well, I think it makes wrong. DJing a very different thing now, and there's definitely still a skill to it, but it's a different skill. And part of the old school skill was was just having access to the music and finding the tunes and knowing what worked with finding what. the tunes. Leon was finding the, the tunes. Was the and I've seen you play. You know, I've seen you had two decks with a go throw an acapella over something. You know, no one else would have thought of that combination. Yeah. You know, and the, for me, that's what kind of made you, um, you know, what you were and are in my eyes and, yeah. and in everyone else's eyes as well. And and just, and that's what set, you know, set those but, DJs but apart. I, I, I never just threw these things together. These things yeah. have been worked out, you know, from yeah. hours and hours and hours of practice, you know, and playing that and thinking, oh, that's in the same key as that. Maybe yeah. that will work, you know. And um, you know, one one of uh, a person I still keep in touch with, and, and uh, a friend friend of ours, Leon Anthony Papa, you oh, know, yeah. still 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 keep in touch with Papa, and uh, he was one of the first DJs that I could, you know, that I um, where where he BPM to keyed all the records, yeah, you know, because the key mixing was was a very interesting thing. You know, if you take sort yeah. of Sasha and Okafold and people like that. The jewels they they were mixing the key you know it was a big difference everybody thought whack the pitch up to eight percent on the techniques it's going faster well no it's actually not it's changing the pitch of the record the, yeah. by changing the pitch of the record you you can achieve that speed and that energy by by adjusting the pitch of the record you know and um it was it was learning all those little things and and you picked up things as you played with DJs when you played with Carl Cox and you played with Judge Jules and you played with Sasha and things like that you would learn things from them because your stats stood behind them in the DJ Leon as as we know is very much a family affair man it really was you know and if you know that's for me what the the whole dance music evolution was all about it was the family affair. You know, it didn't matter who you were. You could, you could have a moment with anybody. You know, and yeah. certainly, certainly, what we were doing with Temptation, Hope, and what I was doing before Solid State, One Love, and all that sort of business. Um, it was all about that vibe. You know, it was all about giving that energy back to the people. The people who come to see you play, you give that energy back. Yeah, you know, and, and that's your job. You know, and you. So have you went off and did those massive nights in Swindon, didn't you, with One Love? Oh, the Brunel rooms, yeah, absolutely hilarious. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely hilarious. But yeah, I mean, it, it was. I mean, Brunel rooms. Well, they, you know, they moved away from Lakota because, to be honest, the biggest biggest night that ever happened in Bristol yeah. was the first first time Sasha played. Yeah, you know where Lakota is. We all know where Lakota is. Well, that queue was down yeah. to the fucking bear pit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And some of them were taking orders, and some of them were just trying to get in on the fly. Yeah. And there was literally two, three thousand people queued out. Yeah. And it's fucking half past eight <laughs> in the fucking <laughs> evening. Clubs don't open till nine, and there's already a queue of over two thousand yeah, yeah, people. Yeah. Sasha's coming to Bristol. Boom. Wow. Fantastic. You know, yeah. um, unbelievable. Um, the the you know, never seen a never seen a queue like that. No, 
for for a DJ. And then when he came back again, and obviously, um, you know, I think it was uh, I think it was Dave Dawes that took the picture of yeah. Sasha DJing, and they just put Sasha's back, Lakota, yeah. boom, sold out the yeah. fucking day, sold out, yeah. boom, eight hundred tickets, nine hundred tickets gone, and the same thing procedure again, fucking two thousand people queuing, yeah, 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 that's it. And the Sasha couldn't even play because he was bollocks. <laughs> yeah. That's what Mark then, said in the last episode, yeah. And, the, and, and Mike the, Shaw filled in for him, didn't he? No. Uh, Rob, Mike did a bit, and then there was there was another chap, Rob something, I can't remember, he played for a bit. Um, I was hoping I was going to get the nod, but never got the nod. Um, but, but yeah, then then, he, then Sasha played for about half an hour, an hour, after he's sorted himself out. And it was great, but... You know, and boy, the love was flowing. Yeah, you know, and that's the, that's the thing, and I, I think that's the the thing. Certainly from that early nineties era, the love flowed. It just flowed through everybody, but it was unity. You know, it it, it was there, um, and then it could color it. Oh, unfortunately, when you have that. Commerci- commerciality and money covers it. That's it. Yeah, but it drives change, isn't it, at that point? And obviously, you know, if people are making money, they just want to make more money. And um, and then, you know, things change, don't they? Um, and we could see the scene change in other cities, I think, before it changed for us. I think you know, we could see what's going on in Manchester and Liverpool... Yeah, and um, you know, it was only a matter of time, and then it all became very segregated into genres because everything was rave and hardcore, and then it, the, you know, it became split between that and the house thing, and yeah, the drum, you know, and then the other splits happened, the techno thing and the trance thing, your and house, the garage, etc. Yeah, exactly, and then, and then you know, Universe Tanith, Tanith came to play at Universe, you know, everybody's breakbeat, breakbeat, and he comes in with techno. Yeah. And everybody loved it because they never heard it. It's like, oh my god, we're into the breakbeat. What the fuck's this? It's like going boom, boom, boom. I've never heard this before. Tanith, yeah. DJ Tanith. Yeah. You know, 92, uh, universe, second universe party. And he played there and he 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 took the roof off. Yeah. You know? He took the roof off. Yeah, and, and that was that was it. And Certainly that party as well. Sasha played as well. And I remember being there and um, there was no tent. So you had four speakers and the sound was just reverberating everywhere. And you're like, we got the fucking best DJ. You haven't got one tent. You know, it was, it was, it was still wonderful, but it could have been a lot better. Yeah. Um, well, it developed into a massive event, didn't it, in the end? And um, I mean, you know, I don't want to bring the bring the vibe down, but that's I think the third or fourth person we mentioned in half an hour who's now no longer with us. Yeah, uh, you know, but that 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 unfortunately is a consequence. Yeah, of you know what we did. Yeah, and the extreme that we took it to. Yeah, you know, and that's unfortunately something that we all have to guard against. <laughs> yeah. But but it is that man, it is that yeah. you know, and uh, yeah, I mean, those parties were legendary, though. That's that's the thing. Yeah, you know? 
Certainly, certainly the free parties and stuff like that. Yeah, did you play many of those? The free yes. parties in Bristol? Yeah, the sort of be the kind of out, out outside of Bristol ones, yeah. Oh, in, in warehouses, no. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> full rave, fully aggressive. I always see you with your record oh. box and I'm running to your, what was it, a white Ford Fiesta? Something no. Else? With an Astra, what was it? The Great White Shark. The Great White Shark. You'd be in and out, you know, you had 20 Benson edges and a box of records, and off you go. Man, managed to make it up to the up to Creeb in Liverpool in two hours. I had a phone call at six o'clock from Justin. I'll be yeah. in Spencer up at up at Creeb. We've got VIP. Get your ass up here, Wilkie. All right then. Boom, Done. in the fucking great white shark. Bang, two yeah. hours in Liverpool. Justin's given it. How the fuck have you got up here so quickly? Great white shark, buddy. Great white shark. <laughs> Yeah, so what's what's happening? Boom. And then we go in, in cream. Okay, boom. Lovely yeah. VIP, smashing, great night. And uh, yeah, back to Bristol the following day. <laughs> yes. But a lot of journeys happened, you know. Um, certainly at that time in the early 90s, it was get some records, get them in the car, as a free party, let's go and mm-hmm. see if we can get a gig. Mm-hmm. So we go down there with the records, speak to the speak to the guys in charge. Yeah, you can play. Brilliant, we can play. No, you can't. And it was one of them. <laughs> if we can't play, brilliant, we'll just have a party. <laughs> <laughs> Better to be prepared than not. <laughs> so yeah, we took exactly the records right. with us. Yeah. You know? Exactly and it, right. it was like that even with little house parties around Bristol, you know? Yeah. Like, you know, uh, you did a lot uh, of those as well, that's oh, right. And it was it was just like um, you know I remember the disciple disciple gig at, at Lakota, and disciples come along. Obviously, Delhi's Delhi's down there. Um, he's enjoying it. Oh, Steve English, you know Kirsty Colson Road, that next door to the record shop where the record shop started. He goes, oh, we're having a basement party. So it was like brilliant. So we all tunneled down after Lakota, finished at four. Disciples come in. Delhi's down there, fucking warming up. Obviously, Disciple comes along. Three decks plays plays all night. Absolutely loving it. Great fucking party. One of the legendary parties in Bristol. Yeah. Boom! Happy fucking days. Good times. Oh, very much so. Very much so. And we're all there. You know, all the all the folk, all my crew, and all that. It was yeah. like, yeah, we're good. We're down there. We're playing. We're partying, and it it was like that. It was it it was an unbelievable time, and um, yeah, I'd imagine it's changed. <laughs> I'd imagine it's changed now. Yeah, it has, and it hasn't. I mean, it you know, there's loads of things going on in Bristol now of a similar nature that are different, though. But you know. Uh, Giant Swan, that kind of thing, who are, you know, phenomena and doing their own little thing. But for that sort of thing to happen, you need you need a city that's got empty space in it and property values that aren't super high, so no one well, wants no, to always, empty always, space or something, and, you know. Leon, to be honest, always Bristol's problem was um, they never, the council never did anything, you know. It was, it was like, at the time, it was Lakota. You know, everybody coming over from Wales, you know, to Lakota. Um, we didn't have a band venue. All the good bands would like to come and play in Bristol because of Massive and other things and yeah, yeah. innovation that was happening in the Bristol music scene. Um, certainly with, you know, 
Ronnie's eyes crossed and the jungle scene and all that sort of business and that innovation. Um, and we were just crying out for a venue. And the council never, the council still haven't delivered. <laughs> they still haven't delivered. Where, 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 where's our big, big venue now? There isn't one. Still in the same position 30 years later. You know, and, and they missed a trick. <laughs> they missed a bloody trick. Because Bristol was on the map. You know, yeah. if, you, if you think back in the time and, and with your, your roots as well, man, Berlin Wall came down. Yeah. Big thing. You know, football hooliganism, gone. What is going on here? You know, the, the people in Paris did not understand it. You've no. got 100 cars going down the M4 and the police are going, what the hell's going on here? Should we follow them or should we just stay here and make sure everyone's safe? And before you knew it, the police car was in the in the car park and they would have fought off down the airport to arrive. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we we put a party on out in Bath, and all we did, we called it Barn Dance. Chucked some flyers, 300 flyers around Bath, you know, and it was um Ollie, the guy's name was, it was 21st birthday. Oh, we got two barns. My dad's a farmer. We could have a party. Brilliant. <laughs> so we had a party. Fucking thousand people turned up. It was. I think you might have been there, Leon. Maybe I was. Yeah. I think you might have been there, man. You definitely invited. <laughs> you know, but Mr. Reels was there. You know, I was there. Sands came yeah. down. Chris Georgie, Matty right. from Berkshire. There was a whole load. You know, boom, all come down. Yeah. You yeah. know, please turned up. Oh, we're just having a bar dance. All right, then. Cheers. <laughs> Throw away. Fire up the hot dog van. See that massive bonfire? Stick a match on it. <laughs> That's fucking brilliant. Absolutely no clue. And we parted till eight o'clock, nine o'clock in the morning. And then shut it down. Boom. Lovely. But those things, uh, they were magical, man. They were magical. Yeah, they were. You know, driving around the countryside and suddenly you find a party and that's all everybody wanted. And it's like, wow, we found the party. We're alive. We found the party. You know, and and, um, yeah, you never see that again. But we were part of it. We were in cars driving around with record boxes going, I want to play. But for me, it was, uh, you know, it was getting the residency at Lakota in 92, you know, work, yeah. you know. I was really trying to that. And, you know, I was approached by Hugo Martin to yeah. do Solid State, you know, because I yeah. spoke to Bentley and, and I said, you know. And uh, boom, got the Friday night residency with Jody. That know? was a bit of a switch of styles for you, wasn't it? Very much so, very much so. You know, I was, I was, I got to the point where I'd, I'd gone through my uh, rave then I loved the piano and I'd gone through my piano house and now I wanted something a bit more interesting. So I started playing techno. Mm. Um, and yeah, it, it was, it was cool, man. I mean, many good nights on stage. Josh Wink, mm. the mad acid fucking man from yeah. <laughs> America, three hour set. Boom. By the end of it, the whole place has gone bonkers. Yeah. Absolutely bonkers. You know, he's just built it up. He started off with some Detroit house, 
start to dri- dribble in a little bit of acid. And they've yeah, got yeah. the three or threes, and then boom, full quest. We're now in the three or three nation. Let's have some fucking acid. Boom. Brilliant. Fucking yeah. brilliant. Amazing. Amazing. Oh. Yeah, they were good nights and solid state nights. I didn't go to that many. I think at the time, well, like you say, I do my degree, but then I was also... No, mate, at the, at, point, at, at the time you were a skinned student. I was a skinned student, and then I started shimmy. So I guess a lot of my <laughs> energies went into that, and I, I started it with a few others, obviously, and do it on my own. But um, that then began to get a life of its own. Yeah. Uh, and then we started doing the back rooms at Solid State. Uh, and I think that was in the Solid State's dying days. Yeah. So the back rooms around and the, the main rooms weren't. Uh, and that also sort of helped push towards the Lakota job, uh, I think. Um, but we were peddling a whole different kind of thing because we were just, I mean, my whole thing was to play as fast as I could. Yes. Find the fastest records I could possibly find and yes. play them even faster, preferably. <laughs> <laughs> to begin with, mix badly as well. Mix really badly. I had no idea what I was doing. I really, I resisted becoming a DJ for years. Didn't want to do it. Don't know why I didn't want to do it. Didn't want to do it. Did it under duress. Realised what amazing fun it was. You know, you remember you teaching me uh, how to mix. I remember other people teaching me how to mix. I didn't have any decks. Shimmy was already at full flow. Um, you know, I'm just learning on the job, basically. And then having a... That's it. You learn on the fly, man. You learn, yeah, you have I to learn, learn on the job. Because the then suddenly I'm warming up for all these really big names. And yeah. You know, and then you just gotta you gotta perform, haven't you? That's that that is that's your and job. it was you that set me on that path because I was I was disenfranchised, I, I disenchanted with with hardcore. I didn't like the Italian house thing, wasn't interested in that whole vibe <laughs> at all. And um the girl I was seeing at the time, Tahani, yeah, went to see you when you were working. Well, no, it was time is right, probably still, and said to you. I want to get Leon a record for his birthday. He I remember just, you know, it. I, I remember you know, that very well. Do you remember well. the record you got her to give um, me? I'm, 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 I'm trying to. I'm trying to um, rec- pull the pull the, the recall up, but that's going to be dr- difficult. But Probably don't it's... remember. But it, oh. it was um, it was Cafe de Mark, Kid Paul. It was the first record on IQ. Energy fifty two. Energy fifty two. IQ uh, records because first he... record, on, first first release on IQ, and that then yeah. I was like. That's what I'm talking about. Around the same time, I was at Lakota, long before I was doing anything there, and Nick was playing, and he played Hard Floor Experience. And I was like, what the hell is this? <laughs> and I ran out and asked him, and he told me. And those two records just set me off from where I wanted to mm. be, do you know what I mean? And it was well, your knowledge, because it was your knowledge of music. You had this fantastic encyclopedic knowledge of even things, you know, we used to come and buy records off you, you know, and you know, some US house guy would come in and you'd know exactly what they wanted. Then I'd come in, you know exactly what I wanted. Yeah. Warren would come in, you knew exactly what you wanted. You had all exactly. the tunes, you knew what was in, you knew what which people would want what records. And you were fantastic. You you had that amazing customer service vibe where you just knew what people wanted. Yeah. And we were happy to be in there. And spend the, time the, with you and buy the cheese. The, the, the reason of that was because I was so in touch with, with what yeah. was going on. You know, I was so in touch with that, you know. So, you, you know, you understood 
Mike and I, Mike more so than I, but but um, we we followed charts. We followed what people was playing. Yeah, you know, because Oakenfold, Sasha, Coxie, yeah. they were releasing yeah. charts because you had to release charts if you wanted to get onto lists for for freebies. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. You know, yeah. and all that sort of business. So it was, you know, at that time, it was faxing your chart through to a label or a distribution, you know, company or a promotional company, so that you could get the, the get the white labels. Yeah, and there was always there was always a, the category A's, which there was maybe 10, 15 copies, and and. Mr. Warren was always in that, you know, and he always had the, had the, had the fucking, the bad boys basically, because he yeah. was up there, you know, yeah. and it was, it was like, um, the, uh, the William Orbit mix of, um, of Madonna, you know, the, Sa- sorry, William Orbit produced Madonna, but yeah. Sasha done a remix. The Sasha of, remix of Ray of Light. Ray of yeah. Light. Jesus Christ. Warren, I had a fucking dub plate, and of course we're down in down in the car. I'm in the back. We did. We found it the other day when we were doing going through his records. We, he he had this, and, and whenever you go to the gig with Nick, he'd always taped set. So he, he you know, and he dropped this in the car, and I'm giving it. Fuck it. <laughs> what the fuck is? He goes, oh, it's the Sasha mix of Madonna. I was like. You got to be, he said, I'm don't worry, there's fucking five dub plates in this, and I'm dropping this. Stuff. I said, Fucking, you better be. And then we get up to the gate, and as anyway, we get to cream. And uh, boy, fucking hell, did that tune tear it up? Oh, yes, mm-hmm. it fucking did. Mm-hmm. Unbelievable. It was just that, that, that progression. Uh, oh, I could still pick, I could still hear it in my head now. It was bonkers. <laughs> I think Mr. Wisty was there as well. Yeah, no, Mr. Wisty was there because we got photographs of me and Mr. Wisty giving it oi oi. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, well, he's obviously on my list of people to speak to, as is Delhi, as is Mike, uh, as is Nick, clearly, and many other people. Well, um, me, me and Mr. Wisty did, we, we, we did obviously a lot of gigs down at Lakota, but yeah. I, I, I do have to say, one of our best um, best events was Ashton Court, yeah. And um, there was four decks there. I mm. was due to play the last set. I said, "Mr. Wisty, shall we?" So <laughs> me, Mr. Wisty, did uh, did the four decks. We absolutely tore it up, yeah. tore it up big time. And even my friends, you know, who were into heavy grunge guitar music. Because I was playing, they'd come on watch and they went, fucking hell, that was wicked. So Mr. Wissy scratched it in. We're doubling yeah. up in copies. And I, and it was just completely off the cuff. And I I do uh, still believe Sol Ray has that of that. Because he Holy every time, shit, is he? Every time that What that year I, was that then? That was probably 93, 94, maybe yeah. that sort of time. But um Mr. Wissy played earlier. I was due to the last set and uh, he, we were just hanging around and we went, let's do it. <laughs> we just played. Yeah. Wicked. And it was completely impromptu. And boy, did we, did we lift the roof off the offer? Yes, we bloody well did. Yeah. <laughs> Amazing. We lifted the roof right off. Yeah, I can imagine, mate. Mm. And this is what the joy of this is speaking to people because even if you were there, you missed so much of it because you were looking at something else or t- whatever, you know, and it's so nice to have all these 
it was a little family in Bristol, man. You know, it doesn't matter. You know, there was, as I say, there was people that it's different scenes, you know, and different things, but we still communicated. We still talked yeah. about music. We, we, you know, we still challenged each other, you know, in, in, in that respect. And, um, you know, I, I really loved it, man. That's what I have to mm. say. I really mm. enjoyed that. It was, it was amazing, you know, cause it was, it was a new journey for everybody, you know, Yeah, that, that was the thing. It was, it was something that never happened. And that, you know, as I said before, you know, I wonder what it was like in the sixties, but my God, I wonder what it was like in the nineties. I'll tell you, it was bloody great. <laughs> it was bloody great. Amazing. And you look, let's, we're, we're going to have to do some additional parts on this. So you promise you'll come back at some point and we'll, uh, we'll progress on a bit in terms of, because uh, you've got so much to tell, man. And um, Oh, that's, that's, a, that's just a little snippet. Yeah, exactly. We, exactly. haven't, even, we haven't even really got onto the meat yet, Leon. <laughs> Yeah, so look, promise you'll come back and we'll uh, we'll we'll have another go. Well, look, you know, it, you know, if you'd like like me to come back, you know, and uh, and people are interested, then there's more to say. Would. Yeah, there's more. I to think say, people are going to be really interested to hear from you. You know, I think a lot of people will be really surprised uh, when I post this that uh, you know I've been able to chat to you, and I think they'll be super pleased to hear it, mate. Well, I'm sure you'll be getting a lot of love off the back let, of it. Let me just say, Mister Wilkie's very much alive. The problem with the modern world is if you're not on social media, everyone just thinks you've fallen off the edge of a cliff. Yeah. But in fact, but, but, but uh, the, you're still there. Because, that's because they're dumbasses, you know. Yeah. Um, but, you know, Mr. Wilkie's there, you know. And, yeah. uh, I, well, I know maybe. I've known maybe. that. Been carrying the torch for a long time, mate, as you know. Maybe. You never know. It might be time. It might be time. <laughs> To, to unleash That's again. Off the, uh, but I think we need um, to tell, Leon, I, I, I think we need to tell the people about Rimini, but not this time. Oh God, no, Rimini. Oh man. That was a 36 hour trip, wasn't it? And we got chased out of the club by loads of really annoyed Italians. That was Casper's fault. Yeah, it was. Uh, I mean, neither got Jody, the airport, Dave right? Conway, and Casper Pound, didn't it? Yeah, and it was a you rising know, high Lakota night in one of the clubs in Rimini. I don't recall which one. Cocorico. Cocorico, which was like the big one, Glass Pyramid. And we've flown into who the hell knows where, and then driven for God knows how long. Do you remember? Do you remember? Who, do you remember who we met though? No. Do you remember that singer we met? No. No? You don't remember that? No. I met these, I met, the, I I think it was on the same plane, but anyway, we was having drinks with them on the plane, and they were playing in Rimini as well. Right. And he was doing a live set, and I said, oh, fuck it, come to the Coco afterwards. They turned up and everything. Don't remember wow. that? No. No, I don't. But no hotel. With no accommodation, went straight from the airport, spent hours in the car, went straight to the club. This is my recollection. I don't remember eating anything or stopping for food or anything. No, we didn't. We went straight to the club. Yep. To find out there's five of us, and we had about two hours between us. Yeah, it was fine, man. It was fine. fine. We had like four records each. 
Me, me and Mr. Whistley played first, and then and then um I think you played, and then Conway went on, and then Casper ruined it. He went on just plays like loads of weird techno, you've loads of fucking nasty toys going, what is going on? Uh, and then we had to run for our lives. We got back in the car, so I've still got some Super 8 footage. Yeah. I took my Super 8 camera, do a Super 8 footage of us driving back up the sunrise, got me back to piss. the me airport. Having piss, me having a piss on the motorway. You having a piss on the motorway, that is my Super 8 footage. Um, <laughs> with the sun coming up. Mm. You having a weird, it's a push on the hard shoulder of whatever motorway it was. Yeah. Um, and then Casper just refusing to go home. And him and smoking on the plane. At the time having a fight at the airport. Yeah. And then him always being escorted off the plane for smoking. No, he was he was smoking on the plane. And he was smoking on the plane. Yeah. You were smoking on the plane, and the stewardess is giving it. Can you please not smoke? And he just stubs his fuck out of the chair and goes fucking. I'll have another brandy. And the stewardess is giving it. Oh my god! And I'm sat next to him because because you lot had fucking. Disjoined yourself from it. So I'm left with him carrying the can. I'm sat next to him in the plane. He's putting fags out on the fucking seats and ordering more brandies. I don't, I don't even understand how we got there beyond the guy that came to see me about the gig in the first place was the guy who managed or ended up managing Robert Miles. Mm, that's right. That's right. It, it was that. It was that. I think, I, think that. He's, I think he's the sixth person we've spoken about who's passed away. On this oh, podcast, really? I believe so. And Rob Bars passed away, but I think this guy has, may have done too. And um, I don't really know what he was trying to achieve. We didn't get there's no money in it either, really. Was there? I don't think anyone got paid, did they? I don't know. No, I think I, I know. I never. I, I I paid for fuck all, but I went there, played some records. Yeah, it was the bizarre thing. And back. in hindsight, I was trying to work out what it was about, and I think. I think, I think more in pro- hindsight, he, what he wanted was... It was more promotional because Lakota was there, rising high, you know, because obviously there was affiliation between uh, yourself, Casper, rising high, Dave... Cole. I think it was about getting Casper over there, and I think they thought they could get Casper over there through me. Yeah. It was, it was something to do with rising high, I'm sure it was. Yeah, but it came through me, and I think they really wanted Casper, and they hadn't realised quite how... Bad... <laughs> it would be things we got, shall we say? Mm. Where because he, you know, he'd been at the club, he'd been at Dakota, and he, you know, you know, he'd been playing there, and he, you know, he just lifted needles off the records and forgot he was playing. And I know, well, I, I, I remember, I remember, um, it must have been through you when he got booked for Joy, you know, when we were doing the Rama, and this is going back. No, then. he didn't play Joy. Didn't he? Are you sure? No, he played Shimmy and he played Temptation. He didn't play Joy. I thought, I thought he played... Who was it from... Because I know you had that connection from Rising Higher going back in the day, man. We're, yeah. We're talking back in the day. And I, sure you... Uh, I, Joy. I, I, honestly th- I honestly thought you got, you got Casper down there at Joy, man. We got him for Shimmy and he was borderline. Well, yeah. Because um, when you were doing your Shimmy, you are all, we are techno. Um, and yeah. that's what what Shibby was. We are techno. We don't yeah. like house. We don't like bass. You, you know. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, and that's what the point you made earlier, where the, there was the segregation going on. Yeah, in Bristol, yeah. you know, 
it was rave and, and then it filtered out, you know, to yeah. drum and bass, house, garage, yeah. techno, you know, and, yeah. and that they were the sort of genres that uh, at that time there was still hip hop and soul going on because there's a big, you know, you know, vibe going on that in Bristol and always has been and always will be. But yeah. um, you know, they were they were not let's say not influenced by the narcotics so much as what we were. Well, it just came from a different vibe, didn't it? And mm. um, I, I've always said this. I think you know the Bristol techno thing. There was a point in Bristol, and I'm sure you remember this, '95 about there, '96, where any weekend there were four or five absolutely rammed techno nights in Bristol. Yeah, and all the DJs were all local. Yeah, and that Bristol techno scene has never been documented. No, never been no, spoken hasn't. about. I mean, you know, because you, you know, you know that's yeah. that. But, uh, but I think that's another discussion, Leon. You know, there's another discussion, and and we should definitely have that other discussion. Yeah, um, super informative, and it's bloody lovely to see you again. Will you please come back another time, or we'll do a whole other section? I would love to, Leon. Man, that's wicked. And maybe next. Thank you time very I'll much, play. mate. Thank you very, very much. And maybe and, next time um, I'll play some tunes for you. Yeah, please do that in a kill. <laughs> uh, my dear friend, lovely to see you. Thank you. Mr. A, my brother. Brilliant.